services a month, Saturday nights. So a little bit of teaching, a little bit of sharing, but I've never had the theology or the seminary. So I was really like, oh, better keep my notes handy. But I feel like um, it was a blessing to get to do this passage because um, this whole section here about not storing up treasures in heaven or not storing up treasures on earth, but yeah, I know, theology, right? Um, and then uh, do not worry has actually been one of those, um, it's kind of spiraled back around a number of times in my Christian life. You know, I think all of us, um, you know, have to think about where does our food come from? It's what we spend a lot of our time and energy doing. We have to think about what to what purpose. And in our world, retirement is a big deal, right? I mean, you just retired and you're basically taking a vacation and you don't know how long it is. <laughs> and so you have to have enough money saved for that. And, um, and, and, it, and it's great. I think we live in a society that, that allows for a lot of freedom and to, to succeed in that. It also allows for a lot of opportunity to fail. <laughs> and so this idea of not worrying... Um, like I said, it's just it's it's been a foundational text or something that's come back to me a number of times. Either it's here in Matthew, or there's another section. I think it's Luke chapter 12. It's almost verbatim the same thing. So I'm going to read it um, after that short. So we're in Matthew um, six. If you have a Bible, we're going to be flipping a bit. Um, I think there's some Bibles up here. I think it'll just be more. Everything will make more sense if you have a Bible that we can flip through or two. Um, there's a couple more up here if you want one. But I'm going to read this passage. Uh, six, it's starting with verse 19 and all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 34. And I want you to listen for how many times does Jesus tell us what to do. I just kind of keep a mental note. As you hear him say, do this or don't do that just to generate some thinking about this. Um, treasures in heaven, verse 9. Let me, let me pray. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for, for this church. Thank you for Nathan and Christy. I ask you, Lord, to um, bless their day. Give them safe travels back. Um, they are a blessing to me. I know they're a blessing to the folks here and their kids as well. So thank you that you brought them to Charlottesville and that they're um, fighting the good fight here. And... Uh, Pray for the teaching of your word, Lord, the thoughts in our heads, the attitudes in our hearts, um, Lord, that we'll come to your word as uh, children learning from their father. Not from Doug, because that would not be smart, but from you, Lord, uh, just directly from, from your mouth to, their, to our ears. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, 
And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's encouraging. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's going to be hard. All right, that's too hard. You're not going to be able to deal with it. Um, so how many, did anybody keep track? How many? Oh, you did too? What'd you get? I got four do nots, two do's, and two implied do's. Four, two, <laughs> so that's eight. What'd you get? I had eight downs and one do. Eight downs and one do. I was a generalist. Yeah. <laughs> it's a l- I, I, well, I missed a do, so I'm going to take a that. <laughs> I stopped. You said, you know, do, bang, bang, bang. Do you count that as one, or did you count that as one, two, three? Right. Yeah, I don't have an answer because I kind of ran into the same thing. I had all the syntax kind of threw me for a curve. But my answer is there's a bunch for such a short passage. Um, there's a bunch, uh, and that's not uncommon. You know, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus came to die for sinners, um, and, and and we we live by grace. And grace is our, our air, and it's our, it's our water, and it's what we live by. Um, but there's commands, and there's rule, and there's things that we're told, right? I one time was studying the book of uh, 1 Peter. Peter, right? 63 commands I counted. 63. And, and, and so it's not that, um, like Nathan said, the Sermon on the Mount... Um, Here's how we're supposed to live and live in this like cave of worry that we're not following all the rules. But there is in the Sermon on the Mount this idea that, yeah, there is a right way to do things. There is. Thank God for that. There is a north star that you can set your, your ship by. And so when Jesus is preaching, I, I don't know what's in his head, but he's, he must be thinking, I have to give people the, the north star knowing that they can't make it. And so I think uh, it comes more clear as we just kind of dive into the text. And we're going to go to about three different verses. But the first, we're just starting off, the negative command, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And just like any good teacher or good parent, the rules that Jesus is giving are very succinct and very clear. You know, like if I'm telling my kids to do something, I don't say... uh, Pick up your room and throw your socks in this and da 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 Right? I say, we need to clean the room. Why? Well, and then I give them a reason, right? So Jesus gives us the, the command or the order or the rule, and then he gives us reasons. So the first reason is that here on earth, moths and vermins destroy and thieves break in and steal. But in heaven, there are no moths or vermin. There are no thieves. So, storing up for ourselves treasures here is insecure. Storing up treasures in heaven is secure. Right? There's a reason. 
if we really want to store something up, then that idea of a treasure, I know we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's something we keep close, it's something we look at, it's something we think about. Put it in the most secure bank in the world. And Jesus is saying, can't get better than heaven. And, and then he goes on to say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I wanted to, did I just push? This is Matthew Henry. Um, about 400 years ago, um, he was a, he is, was a Puritan um, and was, wrote a commentary on the entire Bible. It's one of my go-tos because it's very convicting and very clear. So that's Matthew Henry. And when he was writing about this verse, he said, Christ designs not to deprive us of our treasure, but to direct us in the choice of it. Because not don't have treasures. And there are religions out there that's just like get rid of everything and and that's not what really is the Bible's teaching, right? Just like the Bible doesn't teach name it, claim it, where I just say I'm a child of God and everything I want comes to me. It's not that simple. What he's really getting at is with our treasures, and this is a second part, there our thoughts will be, there the inward thought will be, the first thought, the free thought, the fixed thought, the frequent, the familiar thought. That's where our treasure like when we wake up in the morning, and when we meditate throughout the day, and you know what Jesus and what Matthew Henry is kind of bringing out is, what is our treasure? That's where our thoughts are. That's our first thought. Right? Free thought, fixed thought. It's not don't have treasures. It's how are we, you know, what, how is God speaking about those treasures to us? Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. It goes on. In this next section here, he, he, I think, extrapolates a little bit more. And, um, but before we get to actually, I wanted to go to Genesis chapter 2. Everyone should be able to find that. It's like usually the first or second page of your Bible. Um, because this idea of um, storing up or needing to take care of ourselves has not always been the case. I think the Sermon on the Mount falls within a greater context of the kingdom, of the whole Bible. Um, if you can know the first 12 chapters of the Bible pretty well, you can interpret almost everything else in the Bible with that. So in chapter 2, I'll just read a couple, uh, eight verses 8 and 9. And now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I think it's so cool that God made food taste good. He didn't really have to. You know, the proteins and all of the carbs that we need don't have to taste good. But he loves us and he gave us the sense of taste and he gives us food that tastes good. Um, and then a little bit further down, just verses 15 through 17. God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So that's the poison. Don't do it. Everything else is all yours. And God actually placed him there. And he does have to work it, it says. But God just says, from the beginning, his design was to take care of his people. Just to take care of them. He didn't have to store up treasures. He didn't have to worry about it, because God was doing that. And it's not, so it's not always been this way. And it's not always going to be this way. If you turn to the last chapter of your Bible, chapter 22 of Revelation... If you, it's, these are like the easiest verses in the Bible to find, by the way. I love it when pastors give you these. But 
Verse 1, I'll just start reading. The angel of the Lord showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So this idea of being cared for, of being taken care of, is not just in the Sermon on the Mount. And it isn't just a way for Christians to kind of bury their heads in the sand and say, okay, I'm just not supposed to worry and dig deep. Really, the idea is like we believe in God the Father who loves us, and He's going to take care of us, and He's going to take care of us from the time we're born to the time we die as His children. right? So it's not new, and that's all I'm getting at with this context. It's not a new idea that God takes care of us. Um, verse 22, um, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are full or healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Um, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So looking to the right treasure brings you light. So I, I was a uh, band director in my training as, as a trumpet player. And so I've played in a lot of weddings. I played trumpet when uh, the, you know, the bride usually is coming down and that's when I play. And so I've witnessed this, I don't want to exaggerate, probably not a hundred times, but up in that, that neighborhood, at least 60 Right. I mean, I've played a lot of weddings. And it's very similar almost every time is that you know, the bride's uh, friends walk down and they look great. The grooms, are, grooms guys are still are standing there and the, the, he's on this side and the ladies walk in there on the right. And then the back doors close, right? And there's like this hushed moment of like, huh, right? And then the doors open and she's glowing. And then you look over at the guy, if I can do it while I'm playing trumpet voluntary, and he's glowing. My roommate, Josh, actually started weeping, right? And that's the light. Those eyes are right. He's looking at his bride. He's looking at the woman he's going to spend the rest of his life with, who God has brought to him. That's a good thing to look to, and his eyes are bright. This is much more than children on Christmas morning. It's more than the tickets to Star Wars on opening night. Those are fun. Those are great. But what God's getting at with this light is when we're looking at the right things and we're experiencing the joy of the right things, there's life, right? And Jesus gives the opposite. If we're looking to the wrong things to give us joy, if we're looking to the wrong things to give us meaning, our eyes are dark. And I feel that way too. You know, and even if I look to the right things in the wrong way, so if I look to this great God and I try to like muscle in and be a good person, which is important, I get dark and depressed and anxious and I try to work it, right? And so what Jesus is saying here is let the light shine. There's a story in, uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, Exodus 33 and 34, where Moses actually speaks to God directly. Not face to face, because God actually covers up his, his eyes, but God passes by him. And remember what happens? His face shines, literally shines, where people can't be with him because it's too bright. And he has to put a veil over his face. Because he's with God. Right? 
And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about as Christians, we have that light. But we don't wear the veil, we just let it shine. So this idea of the light and dark eyes, like keeping them light, is important. And then he ends with, um, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So that's kind of the synopsis and how it rounds out. And I think about, we were talking about earlier, the two teams, not to be mentioned, in North Carolina. And you can pick any, uh, any two teams. You can pick the Redskins and the Cowboys. Or you could pick um, the Chicago Bulls and the uh, Boston Celtics. Is that right? No, the Lakers and the Celtics. Right? You can pick a team. For me, my two, my, my two favorite teams in football are the Redskins and the Chargers. And I say that I actually have not watched a football game like, in its entirety since I've had children. You just can never get through it. But those are my two teams that I like. And, and even though the Chargers are going to L.A., I'm still cool with that. I like them. But if they played each other, which they don't do very often, they'd have to be in the Super Bowl. If they played each other, I'd have to make a decision. Right? I'd have to be like, well, who do I root for? I just not watch the game. And I really wouldn't probably myself worry about it too much. But that's the idea. If I played for one of those teams, that's what he's getting at. You can't be the quarterback for the Redskins and the quarterback for the San Diego Chargers. You can't be a lineman. You can't be a water boy. On, on, you can't be on both teams. And the reality is the Super Bowl is every day. Because as we look down the road and want to store up for ourselves treasures on earth, we're tempted with this idea of money, or in the world, old-fashioned word is mammon, providing for ourselves every single day. Every single day we're tempted to look at something to provide for ourselves or to give it to God. And what God's saying isn't don't have treasures. He's saying, I'm your treasure. I'm your treasure. Take a deep breath. Right? And don't get in that battle between, you know, am I going to be the water boy for this or am I going to be the water boy for that? So... Make sure I'm on track here. So this is a bit of a pressure point because we have to have food, right? And we have to have clothing. And um, I want to show uh, this slide. Is this the next one? No. No, where is it? My Barnes & Noble slide. Oh, it didn't show. I didn't load it up. Dag on it. So I went to Barnes & Noble on Friday as I was getting ready for this. And when you walk in, uh, the very first display you see is uh, Healthy Living. And then if you look at the names of the books and the titles, and I'm familiar with some of this, there's a lot of things on there about mindfulness. Mindfulness, uh, we're teaching about it in schools, this idea of kind of managing our lives um, in a way that reduces stress so we can be kind of in control, right? And um, there's a stack. I mean, it's big. And then I went to the back of the store, um, to the psychology self-help section. And I didn't dissect every single book. But if I had piled the books up, it would have been a pretty good pile. Right. Then I walked, and I took a picture. And that's why I was like, I wanted to show you this. This is like what the world and what we're worried about. And not just the world. We worry about these things. So then I went over to the money section, which I've spent a lot less time, obviously. Um, and I took a picture of how many racks of books there are on how to manage our money, which is not a bad thing. We have to, I mean, being good stewards. There could be good books, there could be bad. I'm not dissecting the books. But this idea that food and clothing and our lack of it or our need to get more of it 
is not uncommon. This is a Jesus, Jesus is hitting us at a pressure point. He's not saying don't worry about having a Ferrari. He's not saying don't worry about you know, taking a, a, a vacation every year to Hawaii. He's saying what you're going you're gonna to die if you don't get food. You're going to die if you freeze to death. Don't worry about it. Right, so that's the next little section we're looking at here. Um, so he says here, do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. This is the reason. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's saying, I love you. I'm your Father. I care about you. And I thought about this earlier when we were talking. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? There's actually bigger things to worry about than like McDonald's, right? Like we were talking about at any minute, you, you were on the, the rescue squad, the worst moment of our life could happen. And us worrying about it doesn't end that. I want to go back to the first, actually the third chapter of Genesis and just read a couple things to you. And you can come with me if you want. Um, I think most of you know they were told not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they did. Right? Their first sin had to do with food. Eating without faith in some way. Being disobedient around food. And what it says in uh, verse... Um, let me make sure I get the right... We can read more than one. Verse 6, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So get this, the first sin is around food, and what's the first consequence? Clothes. They don't have any, and now they know it. So when Jesus is talking about, don't worry about food, he knows he was there in the garden. We worry about that. And we don't worry about clothes. He knows what that's like. And what did God do in the garden? They were hiding from him covering themselves up with, like, fig leaves. Which, there's always these really pretty pictures of fig leaves, and, like, like, seriously? I don't want to cover myself with that when I'm naked, right? He looks for them. They don't seek him, he seeks them. Right? And Jesus is saying the same thing. We, we know you need this. We know. Um, he goes on to say, um, can any, where, where am I? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? A little bit later in Genesis, I'll just read this one verse on verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. First, he, he, you know, this bad thing happens. He seeks them out. He gives them their consequences, which echo in the entire Bible, and we're living in them in many ways right now. 
But then he kills an animal, the first shedding of blood, and gives them like leather clothes. He gives them clothes that aren't going to like wear out. He clothes them, and it doesn't say it's a loincloth, right? He, he makes clothes for them. He covers them by killing something. So that sounds familiar, right? They're, they're in shame. They've, they've had a curse on them. And God comes to them and kills something and covers them with it. There's blood that was shed to cover their shame. So that sounds familiar. Because that's exactly what he does in the New Testament. Except it's not an animal in the middle of the garden. It's him. He's come to earth. He's lived the perfect life. And he's sacrificed to cover us. To cover our shame and our nakedness. So Jesus knows what he's talking about. Finishing out this chapter. He says, um, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. First, seek first his kingdom. That doesn't mean I have my priority list. This is a false way of doing priorities. Here are my priorities. Number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Right? Really, it's this is my priority. Therefore, I have these things that I do to support that. This is my treasure. So I do everything to support that. And to do that, if, if God is my treasure, then I want to have good kids. If I really think God is my treasure, I want to have a good marriage. I really do. Right? If I really do this, I really want to do well in school. And I really seek to live a good life. And I want to you know, start working through in my head like, Okay, I seek first his kingdom. That's what I'm doing. Here's the ways I do it. And when you start looking at how to do that, none of us can do it. Right? It's like, um, really? Don't worry. Really? Do you know how much houses cost in Charlottesville? Like, don't worry. What? There is no way I cannot worry about this. And, and so it's it's so challenging. Um Because Jesus doesn't just come to show us the perfect law and tell us it. This is a big hang-up for me to tell this to me when I was not a Christian. When I'd been going to church my whole life, I kept hearing that Jesus had to die for me. And I remember thinking, why? Why can't he just show us how to do it and tell us how to do it and we do it? Well, because we can't. Right? He didn't just come to show us and tell us. He came to do it for us. Right, came to do it for us. So if you fast forward, just want to cut to the chase at the end of Matthew in, verse, in chapter twenty-seven, which is the second to last chapter of Matthew. I'm going to read this. This is after Jesus has fed thousands of people. It's after he's healed a lot of people. It's after he's lived pretty much. I mean, without sinning, which that and alone is, is is amazing. God bless you. Uh, 27. And it's after his cousin was killed, beheaded. And it's after his friend at the time, Judas, had betrayed him and killed himself. It's after Peter has denied him. And it's after he's been publicly humiliated. It's after he's been beaten and he's physically uh, hurt. It's after he's actually prayed to God. And I hope I'm, I'm not alone. I prayed this prayer. God, no, I can't deal with this. This is too much. And God was like, hmm, sorry, 
Yes, you're going to go through with it, right? So after all of that has happened, Jesus has given the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries of its own. And he lives this life like this. So he knows what worries are. So I'm like, you're kidding me? He's like, no, watch. So here he is. I'm going to just start reading in verse 46. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on the staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. So even then, he's tempted to quit. People are tempting him anyway. Because truly, couldn't Jesus have said, Elijah, come get me? Right? So he's alone. All of his friends have left him. Everything in his body hurts. And has for a while. (laughs) It's from noon till three in the afternoon. Nothing feels good. He's all alone. God's forsaken him. In his humanness, he's feeling this. And now they're saying, call Elijah. Make it end. He didn't even have to call Elijah, right? I mean, he could have just like, boom, I'm off the cross and I'm God. Next verse, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He didn't quit. So when he says, don't worry about tomorrow, he's not saying tomorrow is going to be easy. He's going to say, I know how hard it can be. I, I know better than you do. And it's worth it. It's worth it. Next verse here says, At that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. So that idea of the curtain, you can rip a curtain if it's really tall like this one from the bottom up, because you're on the ground ripping it. But in order to rip the curtain from the top down, you have to be above it. right? So God ripped the curtain. And that, that, that curtain was there to separate us from God. Right? So symbolically, and actually, that curtain ripping from the top down was God saying, no more of this. We're not separated. And then the tombs open up. And you're alive. You get to live again. You get to live. And Jesus says it's worth it. Because when Jesus talks about, in his parable of the pearl, the, the pearl of great price, or the treasure that the guy finds in his field, sometimes we read that to think, oh, then when I find Jesus... I hold on to it and I seek it, like hold it onto it. That's my treasure. But we usually don't, right? Adam and Eve didn't seek God. I don't seek God on my own. He seeks me. That treasure is us. That treasure, that pearl of great price, is God has sought us and is holding us. And we're his treasure. Hebrews uh, 12, I'm going to end with this. Uh, it's after the chapter on suffering. If you've ever read Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter 11 is, is a kind of a hall of fame of faith of all the people who've, from Moses on, who've, who've been tortured or hurt or somehow sacrificed for God. And then it talks about in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Then he lived the Sermon on the Mount. And what he's saying to us is it's worth it. In, um, I'm going to skip the next two slides. In um, Forrest Gump, there's this scene where um, he goes to the mailbox and he says, Lieutenant Dan uh, invested in some fruit company. And it's like the Apple thing. And he said, we don't have to worry about money anymore. And that sure is nice. <laughs> One less thing to worry about. <laughs> um, you know, in, in 1976, uh, Apple was started. And you could buy a share, you know, for whatever. And if you had of and just not touched it, you'd be a billionaire now. Right? And uh, it would be worth it. It would be worth it. If you could go back in time, if you were 1976, first paycheck, right? Um, you're, uh, I'm going to just put 20 bucks into this and just did that. And you could go back, do it. Put 40 in. <laughs> right? Come on. Everything you can borrow. And how much more important is, is eternal life? Right? <laughs> it's like, we're going to die. It's not like a mystery. How much more important is eternal life? And Jesus is saying, it's worth it. Invest. You can't do it on our own. On our own, We can't do it. We're going to fail in our parenting. We're going to hurt the people we love. And, and we're going to have to like, just be forgiven for that. Because there's some things we do that we can't go back and make right. And that's how Christian marriages, I guess. That's the fabric. Um. And so we need to do that. So when God says, don't worry, when Jesus says, don't worry, he's not saying, don't worry, because it'll all work out. He's saying, don't worry, because I've already worked it out. And I love you. So let me pray, and then we have another song. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you do care for us. When we have little faith, Lord, help us to remember that that's the mustard seed. That's the yeast And that that little faith um, allowed Peter to walk on water. And that uh, if we have faith, we can move mountains. But in reality, Lord, we need to have faith in our Savior. Help us, Lord, to cling to you, to follow you, and to uh, keep our, our eyes totally clear in you. In Jesus' name we pray.